This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening as we prepare for a short week as SMU takes on Houston Thursday night on ESPN. So we'll have all your coverage of that for a little Thursday night tilt before you get the rest of the weekend off to do whatever you would like to do. The Mustangs are coming off another win over Temple this past weekend, moving to 7-0 in a dominant showing, uh, in my opinion, over the Owls. A really, really good defense that came into Ford Stadium and, look, got diced up by Shane Bouchelle in the SMU offense, 457 yards and six touchdowns, both career highs for Shane Bouchelle, who earned the Walter Camp National Player of the Week award, and Reggie Roberson, who caught 250 yards and three touchdowns of those Bouchelle passes. Look, I, I think we'll get into a little bit more of, of kind of what I think this win means for the rest of the year, because I, I think this is one of the bigger was, was one of the bigger challenges for SMU moving forward. We'll touch on that. We'll talk a little bit about the basketball side of things as SMU did have a secret scrimmage over the weekend. Uh, Tim Jankovic also met with the media on Monday night at Sonny Dykes radio show. And we'll just kind of riff on some other things as well and, and touch on some recruiting. And then finally, I, I I've got a little bit of a rant at the end of the podcast for you guys uh, over the attendance talk that is sprayed all over uh, Twitter right now uh, regarding Ford Stadium and how it looked on on Saturday. So, look, I, I thought when it came down to it, I mean, SMU just had way too many weapons for for Temple to handle, and and they just anytime Temple tried something different, they had an answer, and and I thought you know, it's not like. Reggie caught 15 balls and and went for 250 yards against Temple. He, he, I, I thought it was really a, a patient day for for Shane Bouchelle in a day that, to be honest, I don't think Shane played his best. And and Shane said that after the game, they left a lot out there. And if you watch the game, there were certain points where, you know, Shane. Honestly, I mean, he, he bounced a couple in there on, on wide receivers. He was under a little bit of pressure at times, which is understandable with this impressive Temple defense. But he wasn't at his best in, in terms of completing certain passes that you're maybe used to seeing him. But, man, I mean, he uncorked a couple deep balls that were just unbelievable and, 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 and beauties. So when they had opportunities, they, they struck. Big play opportunities were, were kind of the big thing, and, and, and they struck. And, yeah, I think that's a credit to the offensive line when they had some things dialed up that they really, really wanted to, to hit uh, in terms of the deep ball. They were able to. And so, you know, that that's what matters. I mean, they they hung 45 on a Temple defense that was put, you know, uh, just giving up 19 points per game. So I thought that was impressive. And and for, for Shane, though, 
it wasn't he didn't get he didn't get frustrated at times. His completion percentage wasn't great. I think it was about fifty five percent. He's he's been hovering you know higher than that for the most part. But I I do think this was a big win for for plenty of reasons. One, SMU clearly wasn't looking ahead to Houston. They came out and 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 really were ready to go from the start. So I thought that was important. And look, Temple is athletically probably right up there with with Memphis in the conference. Matt Rule did a great job recruiting there and recruiting guys that can really run, recruiting length, recruiting just true athleticism. And and so I, I felt like this one this was one where SMU would have to get over that and be able to operate offensively against a talented front. I wasn't too worried about the defense giving up things here or there. They really shut things down. I think they gave up 100-some yards in the first half, and then I think Temple finished with, with about 275, kind of playing from behind a little bit. SMU also put in the backups later in the game. Um, but but for the most part, I mean, SMU, SMU took care of business. It, it was it was dominant. The game really wasn't ever in doubt, I felt like. And, and even when SMU couldn't convert from the one or had a couple of, of just moments where they weren't able to get things done offensively and finish drives or the missed field goal inside the 25 when, when they settled uh, in the game, it just it, it didn't really phase them. And now they're I, I, kind of looking ahead. I, I think they roll against Houston. I, I know it's a tough place to go go to historically for them, but I think as this team has shown, you can kind of throw the, the past out the window. And for me, Houston is just kind of in, in a little bit of disarray, and I think that's, a, that's the main thing is that these are two teams that are kind of opposites in terms of where they're at with their cultures right now. And you know, Houston is coming off of, a pretty pretty bad performance against a bad Connecticut team on the road. Another tough place to go, and now has to turn it around on a short week and kind of refocus for SMU. and 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 look, it'll be a Super Bowl for both teams. I, I think the the idea that Houston's going to be more up for it than SMU, I I, I don't think that's the, the case. This is a game where both 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 sides have a lot to prove a lot to accomplish in terms of winning this one for their respective programs. I don't think the idea that Houston is tanking is a real thing. I just think that they knew that their goals weren't ahead of them anymore in terms of conference or in terms of you know, making a lot of noise. And so they made a, a somewhat bizarre decision to you know, redshirt De'Aaron King and, and some of the other guys. So for me, though, I don't think Houston, and, and we saw it on national television where, where Dana Holgerson dropped his pretty rough comments on, on how coaching his team is going. If you miss them, you can kind of Google those. But I, I feel like it's on a short week when SMU's been a really, really strong road team, this is kind of where that whole idea of going 1-0 a day really can pay off. And for Kevin Kane and the defense preparing for two quarterbacks. I think you're going to see Clayton Toon. I don't think there's any any doubt that he's going to play. But if you're preparing for two quarterbacks, oftentimes you're going to simplify things. And I feel like this defense is best when things are simple. 
Same could be said when they played Navy last year. They did. They just kind of played them straight up. I feel like that's the way they're going to play Houston. They're going to they're going to try to just like I said, keep things simple, play really hard, run to the ball, and Houston has plenty of athletes, has has a lot of speed, but I don't necessarily think that they're they're just going to bring it. And I think that's where this team has kind of shown others up in a way is just their effort and and kind of how hard they play especially defensively and and that's not to take that's not a shot at the offense it's just how hard this defense is playing you can you can just kind of see teams kind of you know bow out at certain times we saw it against usf we saw it a little bit towards the end against temple and i i i do i just feel like this this team just plays so hard and it kind of beats you down and that kind of you know, gets to people's heads a little bit on, on the opposing team. So I, I really like where SMU stands heading into this one. I, I feel like there, there are going to be opportunities there. I mean, this is a horrible, horrible Houston defense. They're ranked 120th overall. So if Shane Bouchel and the offense, even even with the kind of expected bad weather in, in Houston on Thursday night, I, I feel like SMU can, can really take over early on if they can get out and up on on Houston early on, and just kind of just kind of cruise and 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 kind of you know move on. I, I don't think it's going to be this ridiculous offensive showing with the weather, but if there's one thing that it's kind of tough to say right now is is how can you not bet against SMU's offense? I mean, they're the only team in the country that scored that has scored 40 points or more six straight games, so they're having a really really strong go of it this year to say the least. So for me, I could see this game being in like the 40-21 range, almost almost similar to the Temple game, just kind of never in doubt, but was just kind of moving the ball, taking care of business, maybe a couple turnovers forced, and, and, and you kind of move on, and then you get the long week to prepare for Memphis, which is coming off a, a total beatdown of Tulane, not to look ahead, and, and we'll talk about that much later, but... I mean, what an impressive showing from Memphis over the weekend to, to beat a really good Tulane team, a well-coached Tulane team, one that plays really hard and kind of reassert themselves into the race for the AAC West and, and the conference championship. So anyway, uh, that's kind of an early look on on, on Houston. I'll, I'll try to get a podcast out on Thursday morning and, and talk more about that game specifically, but um, we'll definitely be talking on Friday and, and kind of recapping that that game as well. So uh, with that, guys, I'm going to take a quick break from the podcast. We'll come back. We'll talk a little recruiting, and we will also talk a little basketball, and then we'll get to that uh, little rant on on attendance at Ford Stadium. So with that, we'll be right back with the Pony Stampede podcast right after this. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. Kind of want to touch on a couple recruiting things and, and definitely encourage you guys to go ahead and check out one, our, our coverage on SMU's lone official visitor, Thad Johnson, the Beaumont Westbrook wide receiver who was on campus for an official visit this past weekend. He had some really good stuff to say about SMU and kind of how that trip went for him as, as SMU really brought him in and, and impressed him. And how can you not coming in that weekend for as a, as a wide receiver, look at that offense and see what they were able to do and, and have a record, you know, a, a career day for, for your quarterback and, and, and your wide receiver and then get to hang out with the staff and take in practice and do meetings on Sunday and, and all of that. So I really felt like they knocked it out of the park with Thad Johnson. So check that check out that article. It's for VIP subscribers. You can get a VIP subscription to PonyStampede.com for just a buck for that first month. That'll carry you all the way through, almost all the way through the rest of the regular season. So I really encourage you guys to do that. The early signing period is right around the corner. So tons of VIP content are going to be coming between, you know, is going to be coming between now and then. So don't miss out on that. On the recruiting front, I, I, I felt like SMU really had a great weekend. Uh, they brought in some key uh, unofficial visitors, especially in the 2021 class. They had a few of their 2020 commitments back on campus. So, and it was a picture perfect day on, on the boulevard and, and for the game. So I really thought it was a great weekend for recruiting. We'll continue to get plenty of reaction and all of that over the uh, over the rest of the week and, and kind of continue to monitor things. And look, this coming weekend, they'll be able to go out on the road recruiting. And, and if they wouldn't, you know, get a win on, on Thursday night, they'll be able to sell that in Houston, probably keep some of the coaches down there and recruit that area. And, and you'll be out be out recruiting with with a win in Houston under their belt. So this this game this weekend or on Thursday night is, is, is even a, more important in that regard for, for SMU. On the basketball front, SMU did have a secret scrimmage against Missouri State over the weekend. And and look, we'll post a lot more notes on this once I you know, continue to kind of poke around with, with some sources and kind of see how things went in terms of obviously how the team played. So look for that on Pony Stampede as well if you're a VIP subscriber. But on the flip side of that, SMU head coach Tim Jankovic met with the media on Monday night and he offered an update on the waivers. He said they're still waiting on things. They are expecting them to know to know on Kendrick Davis and Darius McNeil before the start of the season. He's seen, obviously, a lot of the waivers around the AAC start to be approved, including Tulane. Tulane had a pair of waivers approved. So SMU probably a little bit more confident than they might have been a, a couple weeks ago on, on the waivers. And I've said this for a while. Ken, the, the waiver on Kendrick Davis, I, I feel pretty good about. TCU's helping SMU, so they're supporting the waiver claim that he should be eligible right away, and that always helps uh, for for a program that's trying to get a waiver approved. Is is when the the program that he left is saying, "Look, we ran him off, we parted ways, whatever," and so that's really been important for SMU as well, especially with you know Kendrick, who is just a huge, huge deal for him to uh, be eligible if he is. So. Keep an eye on that, and 
for, for SMU. Um, look, they, they you know, a couple weeks out from the season opener, so I want to say one welcome to our new beat writer, Kevin Reynolds. Kevin has covered Villanova basketball when he was a student there as a freshman, and he's covered high school basketball, high school football, and, and recruiting since transferring back over to the Dallas area to, to go to SMU. So he's got a lot of experience already. He knows what he's doing. Really, really excited to have Kevin on board. He was uh, at Frisco Wakeland as a student when SMU was winning the AAC titles and things like that. So he's been around. So he gets the he understands the program and he's just getting started. But we are really excited to have Kevin on board. So look for a lot of his content. Look, I, I think Tim Jankovic kind of echoed a lot of the things that I posted last week, which is. This team just being able, and I mentioned it on the podcast too, this team being able to practice five on five is a big deal. And as much as we kind of joked about it last last year at times, the amount of the, the physicality that they're allowed to go at, it has been big. Now, the, the thing about it is I don't know if we'll necessarily see it translate for certain players. So like Ethan Shagwa, for example, we're just going to have to see him you know, step up with that type of physicality that we haven't seen from him on the floor for the most part. He's, he's kind of, you know, been that player that has been the best player on the court at times, and other times he's kind of disappeared. So the positive is, is that guys like Isaiah Jassy, guys like Tyson Jolly are pushing these guys physically because of how competitive they are and, and just how talented and athletic they are too. So I, I do think the five-on-five, five, which Tim mentioned on, on Monday night, has been important. It's just a matter of we'll have to see how things pan out with this group, just just kind of bringing it in that regard. Because that's one of my biggest concerns is, is can this team be physical and, and, and you know grab rebounds when they get into the thick of the conference play especially. So we'll have a lot more coverage from Tim Jankovic's media availability on Monday night. So look for that. There's an open practice on Friday. Kevin will be there watching that and, and taking notes and doing all those things. So be sure, uh, A, if you're in town to go check out the open practice and, and B, to, to keep it locked on Pony Stampede for all of that coverage. Now, I, I want to shift gears for the last part of this podcast. And I want to preference this by saying I really don't want to attack people. But this is this is just an exhausting exercise on Twitter about attendance and SMU. So I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant. SMU saw an attendance drop of 5,000 people for the Temple game on Saturday. That's a fact. It's true. It's not a big deal. And look, here, here's the thing. Is when you cover college sports... Attendance right now is the is just a it's a thing. It's a hot button issue that all athletic departments are trying to get their hands on. From Alabama to SMU to the the worst team in the country. All of them are trying to figure out how to put more butts in the seats, how to make the experience better, and do all these things. Alabama, people forget this. Or some people I guess that that cover college sports would attendance or whatever, I mean, they were taking away student blocks at, at their football games because they weren't showing up. And if you watch an Alabama football game when they're playing some dump team, 
it's a tough stadium to get a to get a look up at into the rafters, but there are open seats, and it's not as well attended as uh, attended as November 9th will be when they play LSU. And to make this kind of relative point to SMU, SMU hosted Tulsa. I believe it was about 28,000 people they had in in the in the stadium. I think that was it. They dropped to five. They dropped by 5,000 against Temple. And guess what? You had SMU playing Tulsa on family weekend. First game as a ranked opponent, as a ranked team in. 30 years, and you're playing at night. So all of those things are going to factor in. There's, what, 5,000 undergrad students at SMU. If each one of them brought one parent, there's your 5,000. So if only one parent came to town to see their son or to see their daughter at school at SMU, there's your difference right there. Now, clearly, not all the parents went to the game. Not all the parents came in for family weekend. You've got mom and dad coming in. You might have siblings. But guess what? Most of the time when families come to visit for family weekend, it's usually the whole family's coming to town, coming to Dallas to see their to be, see their son or daughter at SMU. So quite simply, there's a very obvious reason why SMU drew 5,000 more fans for the, for the Tulsa game. It's family weekend. I mean, it, it, it is that simple. Tulsa being a little bit closer helped as well. Being at night helped as well. So my point of all this, and, and I really, this is where it's, it's going to probably get ugly. I don't understand why people are making a ridiculous thing out of attendance. If you were at the game or took a peek at the game on Saturday from the press box, and you've covered SMU, or you've seen it throughout the years, or you've even, I don't know, maybe Googled SMU attendance throughout the years, you'd know that that was a pretty good crowd for the Temple game, and especially the students. I think the students have been outstanding, and I, th I think the hill being packed is really cool. If you put all the students that are on the hill in the stands, it looks a lot better. I will say that. But guess what? That's where they're hanging out, and it's a cool atmosphere, and the shaded side of the stadium was pretty packed. And so for this whole thing, and by the way, as a reporter, look, SMU won on Saturday night. Cool. Guess what? SMU plays Houston on Thursday. So our whole week in terms of our coverage is packed into four, four or five days. And we've got to get all that content to you. Sonny met with the media on, on Sunday night. Okay. Uh, injury updates on Armani Johnson. Uh, preparing for two quarterbacks, playing against Dana Holgerson, who you coached with. I mean, there are so many other stories than to go on a little war on attendance and why it dropped. It is the most ridiculous thing that it had to be explained in a Q&A as to why the attendance dropped for this game. I mean, honestly, it, it is beyond dumb, and I really respect Rick Hart for his ability to be really nice because college football attendance is one of the most, it's just such a basic story now. I just don't, I don't understand why it's, it's been made a big deal. 
Most stadiums are downsizing when they, when they redo them. Most stadiums are adding more premium areas when they redo them. Most stadiums are doing this, doing that, and it's all to get people to go because it is the biggest struggle in college sports right now to get actual people in the stadium. You can stay at home for non-conference games that are crappy like Texas State, for example, for SMU or for Northwestern State for LSU. You can stay at home and you cannot drive yourself all the way out to campus, set up a tailgate, go sweat your you-know-what's off in, in September and watch a football game. It's really difficult. And at SMU right now, look, the only pr premium areas are those suites and, and behind the glass and the club level. That's it. It's really hot in that stadium if you're not shaded. I mean, it's brutal, and everyone knows it. So, one, the there's two kind of things to unpack here. There's the, how do you not understand why attendance dropped for the SMU Tulsa game? It's very obvious. And B, I just don't understand the war on it. I mean, it, it like, Sam, and I respect Dallas Morning News for for bringing on a beat writer and and you know quote unquote investing in the in the in the program or whatever they they said when they announced announced him but it, it i mean i don't understand this is why newspapers are dying this, honestly this is why newspapers are are dying because certain beat writers across the country and it's not just Sam on this issue will take issues that are really really dumb for them to go after and, and try to figure out, and they act like they are just doing this big piece on this big in investigative story that you have to find out why why is attendance down for SMU one week to the next. Okay, it's very obvious, and Sam posted a nice little question and answer with Rick Hart on it, which I might as well defer to Rick on this completely because his answer is pretty perfect. But when you then say why would why would Dallas not support the winning team or why you know it's not my job to quote unquote help SMU which is it's not and it's not my job either it's not my job we've we've broken you know bad stories we've written stories that probably tick people off I mean gosh just last year with the Tim Jankovic story that I that I wrote on the state of the program but to say that attendance from one week to the next is newsworthy for SMU instead of looking at it as a whole, which is attendance is way up, people, is beyond dumb. And for those who say, well, you know, they're doing a good job and good on the Dallas Morning News. I went to the Dallas Morning News website last night and I, this was at around 11 o'clock at night. The stories that were posted about SMU's, you know, current week, okay, and a really good story on Yafet King and why he's a new assistant. Why Boise State's post midnight loss to BYU is big news for SMU. Game recap on SMU Temple, and then a story on SMU in the Cotton Bowl, which, to be honest, yeah, a little early to write that one. So. All, so, no injury update on Armani Johnson. No story on SMU preparing for two quarterbacks. Uh, and then you go at your subscriber base on Twitter and saying it is newsworthy to cover the attendance issue, which 
in my opinion, looking at it as a whole over the course of the year would be the better way to go about it. That's just me. Then you tell them, I'm not going to listen to what you guys want. I'm just going to focus on attendance, which right now, after SMU beat a Temple team and continue to rise up the polls, comparing the attendance one game to the next is really not the way to go go around it. Then, by the way, when when fans that have been around for much longer than you have give you the actual story on SMU and attendance problems and all those things, you say it doesn't matter to compare the 1980s to today. Well, guess what? The 1980s, there were far less distractions, far less reasons why people shouldn't go to a football. More people went to football games. They were all about getting there early, an hour before, and getting your soda and getting your beer. Well, I guess probably not beer in that stadium yet, but getting your soda and getting your peanuts and getting there early and being there for the alma mater at kickoff and doing all those things. That's what people that went to football games back then actually did. No cell phones. They were able to go on a Saturday and go watch SMU in Texas Stadium. And guess what? Place wasn't half sold out. Or it was right around it for the big games. I mean, and and you say that's not a good argument? Showing 30 years of just apathy towards attending SMU football games. Really not? Really not a, a, a noteworthy part of that whole thing? Just UCF didn't sell out their conference title game last year. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it's just my my whole point of this thing is, and and this is for everyone that that thinks attendance is an issue. It is an issue in the overarching schema uh, uh, scheme of how do you put more butts in seats? How do you continue to improve? One, we've seen this already because it's being shown this year. <clears throat> Winning helps. Start with that. Great storylines helps. Shane Bouchel, Reggie Roberson, James Prochet, Demerick, Gary, Dallas, all those things. It helps. Beating TCU helps. Having a, a transfer quarterback from Texas helps. But in terms of really galvanizing a fan base, and I mean really bringing it together, attendance will take more than this year. They can do as many deals as they want to try to get those few extra hundred people in there. But guys, a lot of people make plans in the fall. There's weddings. There's this. There's that. There's family trips. Maybe even a lot of local Dallas people already had it on the books to go up to Oklahoma for a game or go to Texas. They're not going to drop their plans to come be SMU fans for the day when most people already have plans. There are some. But this isn't Texas, this isn't Oklahoma, this isn't the SEC. People are not dropping plans to just go to an SMU game. And it's not, it, it right now, no marketing in the world can fix that. You can get a few extra hundred people, I think, to buy tickets. SMU fans that have friends that say, hey, you got any extra tickets? That's probably the best way to get extra people in the seats right now. Next year? Depending on how SMU finishes this year, we'll see a bump in attendance. You'll see a bump in season ticket sales. And with Shane Bouchel returning for his senior year, I think it'll pay off. But to go on a war about attendance from one game to the next, when it's very obvious why attendance dropped, was beyond dumb, is short-sighted, and I don't understand why you do it.
So I just had to get that off my chest. We talk a lot about attendance on, on the Pony Stampede board. Enough t people texted me about it, wondering, you know, this or that, or, you know, bringing it up. I don't understand why, why it was a thing yesterday. And guess what, guys? When SMU hosts Tulane on Saturday, on Saturday over Thanksgiving weekend, it's probably going to be, you know, if they're playing for the right to go to a conference title, I'm still not really sure that it's going to be an impressive crowd. Students, a lot of students will be home for Thanksgiving. A lot of Dallas could be out of town. A lot of the a lot of the Aggies in town might be down in Baton Rouge. Whatever. It's not going to be an incredible crowd, in my opinion, going into that Tulane game especially. And then you've got a terrible East Carolina team coming for the next one. Which, look, that could be coming off of a, a of a you know win over Memphis. So imagine that. I mean, seriously, that game. Hmm. Do you really think there's going to be another bump in attendance if they're coming off a win at Memphis, remaining undefeated? Not going to happen. East Carolina is a really bad team. People might show up. Still, don't think it's going to be that that huge crowd you're looking for. And from one game to the next, they can compare it. But overall, attendance is up to, for SMU. That's the important thing, and and it'll continue to kind of chip away. It will. It'll be. It'll continue to kind of go on the rise and 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 look. It's it's going to be a process. It's a process everywhere across college football. And just for you guys to know that it's it's not just me, and to show kind of how. Stupid this thing was for for Sam and and look as he pushes for subscribers There will be people that won't subscribe for this For this reason for this type of stuff Anish Shroff who, uh, who Who's a commentator for ESPN. He's done a lot of the SMU games Said it a lot more nicely than I could he goes oftentimes the attendance bump comes the year after no if they finish with 10-plus wins and a solid bowl game, then the marketing machine sells more season tickets, and you have an entire offseason to build it up. Just a thought. And you can – there was kind of some venom in it in Anish's uh, uh, tweet there to Sam. But, you know, the thing about it, it is, look, it's not just Sam. It's others in the media that – like Dave Campbell, they want to make a thing out of it. And But here's the thing. I mean, just, guys, overall, this issue – is not it's an issue everywhere in college football, and the sooner people realize that or quit looking at it in a vacuum, from a one game to one to next game, the better. You want to do a big story on attendance, run it at the end of the year. I mean, honestly, see where things stand, see where things stacked up, and then you can come back around in the fall of 2020, see where season tickets are. Jump into it later that season. And it's kind of a thing that you have to monitor year over year over year. You can't just sit there and just say, ah, well, they didn't show as well as the next game. I mean, guys, if if LSU plays Auburn one week and Ole Miss the next, they're not going to have as many people in the stands. Okay? LSU plays Auburn 
this coming weekend. Their next home game is Arkansas. I'll make sure to update you guys on how, how big of an attendance drop that is. I've gone on long enough. I, I really did, I really just had to get that off my chest and, and vent to you guys, and we can discuss it more on the board, but what a stupid, stupid thing to just bring up. Short-sighted, doesn't get it, probably won't, hasn't done his research, just fired it off, and then acted like it was an actual storyline that readers wanted to read about. Instead, guys, for you, we're going to keep covering the team, the things you guys actually care about, like, I don't know, notebook on what Tim Jankovic said is already on Pony Stampede. All of what Sonny Dyke said at his media availability from Sunday is on Pony Stampede, and plenty, plenty more on Pony Stampede already. So we hope you guys enjoy our coverage, and we hope you guys have a great rest of the week.